Good morning. So good to see you this morning. Glad that you're here. Psalm 100 is probably where we're going to spend some time. We're going to actually start with Psalm 23, but uh, either way, you'll uh, both Psalms are pretty familiar, I think, to most of you or maybe even all of you, and that's good. We're going to be talking about prayer uh, once again today, and today we're talking about uh, prayer as it uh, rests in the Psalms. <clears throat> We've been working on our prayer life, uh, and we went through, we just finished uh, going through the uh, Lord's Prayer, the Disciples' Prayer, the Our Father Who Art in Heaven Prayer, that one. If you don't recognize the titles, you recognize the first line, I'm sure. And, and that's fine. Uh, and today we're going to be looking at uh, a few of the Psalms. I'm going to read a couple and we're going to talk about them uh, as we can use them as springboards uh, into prayer. What should I pray about? What, what should I be doing? Uh, we kind of talked about that as we began this morning, uh, as I suggested that we be praying for uh, those three cities or three states I mentioned. I didn't mention the cities all, but uh, that idea. So we're going to pray now that this message comes across and that we get what the Lord would have us to get today from from those feeble words that I'm going to speak during the next few minutes. So let's pray together uh, as we look at the prayer of the Psalms. Gracious, loving Father, we do thank you and praise you this day as we go forward seeking your holy will, seeking your holy face, seeking your Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us, to lead us. And as he is there to lead, let us be prepared to follow. And for this we do give thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The Old Testament times, the Psalms were the prayer book. And the hymn book of God's people. 150 Psalms cover a wide variety of themes. And it's helpful to know which Psalms suit our particular needs. Now I want to talk about something that's going to almost sound like Bible study because it is. Uh, there's four things I want you to think about. In this case, I'm going to be talking about Psalms. But I could, with this first point, it says... Choose a psalm to read. That makes sense, doesn't it? And I'm going to share with you what some of those psalms might be uh, as you're praying in any one particular area. But you choose what book you're going to read, what chapter you're going to read, uh, and so on. So stick any of those things in there. And we're talking about the general theme of things, and that's engaging ourselves in the Word of God engaging ourselves in this love letter that God wrote to us. And we're going to be looking at a few of those, a few of those uh, notes, if I can put it that way, uh, from the book of Psalms today. So choose a psalm to read. And it says, read it all the way through. And I'm going to use Psalm 23 as the example of what I'm talking about. But read it all the way through. We're not talking about in-depth Bible study at this point, because if you read it all the way through, Psalm 23 is a wonderful example of this. Uh, you get the context of what's there. 
I'm going to jump to John 3.16 and talk about a Bible study now. If you understand the context of John chapter 3, then John chapter 3.16, the verse that we all know and can close our eyes and speak from memory. And what did you just say? I don't know, but it's in there somewhere. Uh, We know it that well. But do we really believe what it says? The context helps us. And we start in John chapter 3, verse 1, and we find that Nicodemus comes to Jesus seeking counsel. And that's what we have in the first few verses where Nicodemus says, how do you be born again? Do you go back into your mother's womb? You know, how ridiculous is that? And Jesus then shares with him, we're not talking about fleshly birth, we're talking about spiritual birth. Which leads us then to an Old Testament truth in John chapter 3, verse 14, when Jesus says, just as Moses, so now we're jumping all the way back into the book of Numbers, just as Moses lifted the staff into the air, uh, the cross, and told his people, look upon this staff, look upon this cross, and you will be healed, you will be saved from the wrath that your sins have caused you and you won't die from the serpent's bite. And so all of the people did that. Now, in order to truly understand the magnitude of that, think in terms of about two million people. Because if you count up all the numbers in numbers, all you're told about are the men. There were this many men in this tribe, and there were this many men in that tribe, and there were this many men, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Guess what? Every single one of them had a wife, and they all had children. And two, let's see, my wife, and all of a sudden Martin isn't just one, Martin is two. All of a sudden Martin isn't two, Martin is six, because I have four children. And if we go into the next generation... Oh, my heavenly days. You see what we're talking about. So it's easy to say that there were two million people encamped around the tabernacle in the wilderness where that staff was lifted up. And how many of those two million people could actually see the cross, could see the staff? By faith, they looked to the staff. By faith, they look to the staff as you and I look to what? Look to the cross. I want. Where's my communion table? Oh, we're not doing communion today. There's times when I've had the table there and forgot. Let's share that little side note. You find out how fallible this guy is up here, which is why I really need your prayers, right? You understand that. But that idea of by faith, we accept the faith, or we accept the sacrifice that Jesus provided for us. And that's John uh, 3.16, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only son. And then if that's not enough, we have John 3.17 that says, he came not into the world to judge the world or condemn the world, but that the world through him might be, uh, uh, what's that word again? Saved. John 3.17. See, all of a sudden now, you've almost read the entire chapter of John and 
that really cements for you the heavy meaning that's found in that one verse that we all stand upon, and I'm not saying we shouldn't stand upon it, John 3.16. That's true of Scripture. That's true of 66 books. That's true of, I used to know all the numbers. How many chapters, you got the idea. Page by page, page by page. Read it all the way through. Ask God to comfort you through its words. Ask God to comfort you through its words. Speak to me, Lord, as I read this scripture. I'm back to Psalm 23 now, because I'm going to read it in just a moment. And then read it again. What? Read it again? I just read it. I don't need to read it again. Yes, you do. We had someone in Bible study today that talked about reading and not sure if he had the right interpretation, I think, was was the word that he used. He's not here, so I can I can pick on him without him knowing. But but we all have that, don't we? And we read it through again. And sometimes we'd read it again or a third time. Got to read it three times. You got to be joking me. Four times. You got to be and so on. Read it again. Read it again, verse by verse. Pause and reflect on each verse before moving on to the next one. As I just did with John chapter 3, the first night, 17 verses. Right? There's a few more after that that are just as meaningful. I'll let you dig, dig them up for yourself when you go home. That's homework today. Read the entire chapter, John chapter 3. Okay, so read it again, verse by verse. Pause, reflect. That means stop and think about it. What is God saying to me? And actually, I want you to think this way. Because I want you to think, what is God saying to me? Not to the world. I don't care about the world. I'm in a private Bible study right now. I'm going to private prayer time. Me and God are going to talk today. God and I are going to... Either way, whichever whichever way works for you grammatically, that's the way. It's going to be a personal time. It's like when you go in uh, to the pastor's office and it's just you and the pastor. Or you go into the principal's office and it's just you and the principal or you and the commanding officer or whatever. Just God and me are going to be conversing back and forth. And we're going to be talking back and forth. And I'm preparing myself for that. I'm preparing myself for that. And so let's, Psalm 23, if you've been to a funeral, you've heard the verse, you've heard the verses, all six of them. You can probably, some of you probably memorized it. Let's listen. Called the shepherd's psalm. But the shepherd doesn't speak at all. So it's also been called the sheep psalm. For it's the sheep that do all the speaking when you think about it. And we have been called the sheep of God, haven't we? We are the lambs of God. John, there's the book of John again. Where's Mike? Uh, the, my former co-pastor uh, says the only book that I really know is the book of John. And sometimes I wonder if he might be eh, just a little bit maybe right. We, but we won't go there today. I won't mention him again. I promise. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'll assume we've already read this through completely once or twice. And so I'm 
I'm down to the verse by verse thinking about it uh, portion. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now think about that. I'm a sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not be in want. This is not King James. Shame on it. Uh, he's going to take care of me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to be, uh, fearful. I'm not going to have cares. Manna is going to come from heaven. We can put it that way. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Think about that in the physical sense. What does a shepherd do? Shepherd leads his sheep, those four little four-legged woolly things that travel from where all they, they spend their entire life going from grass clump to grass clump to grass clump. That's all they do. Every once in a while, they need to have a little water, and there it is. And when it's lamb season, well, we won't go there. There's enough biology for you right there. But he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He makes me. He forces. Why does he make me? Making me has the idea of, of you. this is what you're going to do. Because that's what's good for you. I brought you to your sustenance source. I brought you to all of the vitamins and carbohydrates. And I don't know how many proteins you get out of grass. No, we won't go there. But uh, there you go. He leads me beside quiet waters, still waters. Now, why is that important? Have you ever tried to get a cup of water out of a raging river? It's kind of tough. You might find yourself swept away in that. So still water. Still water is where it's, it's comfortable. It's easy. That water is just lying there, just waiting for me to come and drink it and, and take in the, the moisture that I need uh, to keep my body functioning properly. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. The Lord is my shepherd. What What is he doing so far? He gives me my food. He gives me the, the water that I need to drink. And in that peace that I have with the food and the water, there is a restoration of my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I preached a series on the Ten Commandments. They're the paths of righteousness. We won't talk about the ones talking about worshiping him. Uh, that's another thing. I'm going to stay with, with kind of the physical things now. Partly because of what's been happening the lat- for quite a while. Thou shalt not kill. Well, some people in Texas are dead today because somebody killed them. Ohio. Last week in, in uh, Gilroy, California, and in, 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 in other places. The very basic right of, uh, human right is life, isn't it? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Where does it start with? It starts with life. If you haven't got life, who cares about anything else? Because it's all gone. The only thing, the only thing aside of our physical life of course, is our spiritual life, and but we're talking physical right now. 
He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And you list the rest of the Ten Commandments, uh, numbers 6 through 10, or actually 5 through 10. And you find that you have a guideline for life. And if you're able to keep those commandments, and your brothers are able to keep those commandments as well, they're not going to, there's not going to be a whole lot of strife. There's definitely not going to be any El Paso or any, was it Dayton? Dayton. Dayton. And there's not going to be a Gilroy. There's not going to be a Columbine. There's not, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Do I need to explain that one to you? Here we are. Gilroy, California. Nowhereville. Gilroy is known for one thing and one thing alone, and that's the garlic festival that they hold once a year for one weekend. How many of you, rhetorical question, how many of you heard of Gilroy before last week. Gilroy? No, no, don't put your hands up. I, you motorcycle people, I know you get all of those back hills. No, Do they have a Walmart there? Uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway, you got the idea. Okay, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, why can we say that? Why can we say that? Because we know that he is with us always. Will evil befall me physically? Could be. But death has lost its sting. I don't care. I don't care about death because death is ushering into, uh, what do they call that? Eternal life. I got it. Eternal life. I'm going to be with him forever. I'm going to be reunited with my mother and my mother-in-law. And that's not a joke. That's real. And my wife is smiling, so I did it right. That's good. Okay. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and and your staff, they comfort me. Rod and staff for a shepherd are what? They are means of protection. They're used for guiding me. They're used for warding off the wolves that might come to eat me up. Comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now this is interesting. I've never learned this before. This table before me in the presence of mine enemies. When a sheep gets sick. What do the other sheep do? They ostracize you. And or they push you away from the grass because now you're too weak to defend yourself and they eat all of the grass around you and your sickness will lead to death by starvation. That's what lovely animals sheep. Uh, And we are... The sheep of his, we don't want to go there. Okay, but you got the idea. So what is this table? 
the table that's set, that's talked about here, is the shepherd staffs out, takes his staff and his rod, and creates a rectangle of safe zone that he that he has this relationship with his sheep. The sheep will not cross these lines of safety. He's staked it out. And so he stakes out. Let's go back up to second line. He makes me lie down in green pastures. So I would guess that that table is set up in green pastures so that that sick sheep has the opportunity of recovering from the flu or whatever he has. In spite of all of the other sheep around him. Sets up a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. That's talking spiritual stuff now. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Why is that a funeral song? Because someone that we love, that's why we went to the funeral usually, someone we love is no longer here. Someone passed away. Mother, father, uncle, cousin, one of those people in the cities that we've already talked about have passed away. That two-year-old I don't know if it's a boy or a girl. A uh, two-year-old child that was killed in in Texas. Oh, just makes me shiver to think about it. But I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, Psalm in a time of crisis is the twenty-third Psalm. Sometimes we need to be reminded of exactly what I've reminded you of as I've. Looks like I've preached the 23rd Psalm today, but there it is. It's worth knowing. It's worth thinking about. When I am looking for a spiritual uh, grounding, a foundation for my prayer life, why not start here? Why not be reminded of who God is? Who is God? The Lord is my shepherd. What does a shepherd do? He takes care of his sheep. He's fully responsible for the life of those sheep. Without the shepherd, every one of those sheep are going to die. They're going to be devoured by wolves. They're, they're going to run away and not be able to find the grass. They'll die of thirst, etc., etc. They'll fall into a hole and can't get out. No shepherd to pull them, etc., and so on. So in times of crisis, we started the Psalms. Now there's a whole list. In fact, I think I'm going to generate some of these Psalms for you uh, next week. And I'll give you a handout of where some of these Psalms are found. Uh, Psalms 4 and 5, 11, 28, 41, 55. You're writing those all down? Those are all Psalms that do the same thing that Psalm 23 does uh, in different ways. Uh, So in time of crisis, how do we pray? How do we pray? 
but they're psalms of joy. And the signature verse, verses today uh, was Psalm 100. And it, so let's just go there. Let me read it to you. Okay, five verses. I think we can make it. We have time? Well, yes, we do. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. When's the last time you did that? That's a rhetorical question. No hands raised. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. Now let's stop there for a second because, oh, hey, I just sang three hymns. Did you mean them? Let me say that word again. Did you mean what you say? That's the key. I mean, that isn't just, this isn't just a song fest. When we pro, we're proclaiming our love through God in what we call the worship portion of the service. I really think that worship is kind of misused or it's too narrow a definition because this entire service is worshiping him. We're worshiping him right now and you're putting up with me talking about this. That's worship. And then Shirley comes up and puts down puts down the the uh, icing on the cake. Very good. I'm glad that she does too. No, oh, and Rosie, and Ruth, and Philip. When we can get him into town, know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people the sheep of his pasture. See, now we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then you read the rest of the chapter, and then he created this, and he created that, and he created the other thing. He created the animals, he created the fish, he created the da-da-da, and then he finally got around. (sighs) Well, I guess I'll create Adam now. My emphasis for reasons. And then, and then I'll, well, Adam shouldn't be alone, so I'll create Eve, do that in a very special way, and we won't discuss the the biology of that. But that's God. He who made us. We are His people. We're the sheep of His pasture. His pasture. Who owns this? Some corporation. We would think. Or multi-corporations. We would think. No. God owns this. This is his. All of this is his. And he gave us new carpet. Can you still smell it? No, it's actually not too bad now. Okay. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. How can you not? Think in terms, let's think about Thanksgiving. We go to somebody's house for Thanksgiving and they've got this table just full of food. I was going to say stuff. But you've got the turkeys and you got ham and you got all of the seven kinds of pie. And I have to think when we, Shirley's mother, she was a delight because when we had, when we went to a Christmas or, or Thanksgiving or whatever and it was time for the, for the dessert, 
And we say, well, well, Marion or mom, depending upon who's talking, uh, do you want a piece of pie? And she, oh yeah, of course. And she said, well, which kind would you like? And she says, well, I have, I'll have a little sliver of each one. I've actually seen an entire plate of pie handed to my 85, 86 year old mother-in-law uh, with a spoon or a fork. I don't remember what she was using by that time, but with all of the flavors, she had five or six flavors there and it filled up an entire dessert plate. Wow. Pretty neat stuff. That's what we're talking about. We enter in, we enter into a feast like that and oh, it's a happy time. It's a joyful time. It's not a time to throw rocks at one another. Families set aside what's going on and oh, it's so good to see you. Praise God, I don't have to see you again until next year. You know, but, but that's, how many of us have done that, by the way? I can smile at you this entire day just remembering that I don't have to do this again until next year. And if it's leap year, I get an extra day off. Shirley loves leap year. And you can ask her why. Okay. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Now there is a psalm for joy. There's a psalm for joy. For all generations. It doesn't stop. What generation am I? If we start from Adam, uh, how many greats do I have to add to get to grandfather for Adam? Adam is my great, put put a power number there. You know, it's it's an extensual extensual power number. Uh, My great grandfather, great, 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 and keep going. That's who he is. All generations. All generations, it says. Psalms of joy. Select a verse from a psalm of joy. Joy of the heart, Psalm 4, 7. Joy in singing praises, Psalm 5, 11. Joy in God's presence, John 16, 11. Have you ever prayed how wonderful, how joyful I am to be in the very presence of God? Now, I have personally had the opportunity of meeting two presidents face-to-face. It was an exciting time. I was in the military, of course. And I met, (coughs) excuse me, I met President Eisenhower and I met President Kennedy. Would either one of them, if they were still with us, uh, remember me? Absolutely not. I was there for a moment for some photo op that we were doing, and I was uh, I was in the same room and breathed the same air. <gasps> and what? For three days, my commanding officer was checking the shine on my shoes because he knew you know that kind of stuff. Big deal, right? Big deal. I'm. In the presence of God, the living God, whose faithfulness continues through all generations. What joy, what joy is to be had in knowing the Lord God 
personally. What joy is to be had. Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 deal with times of dryness. Spiritual dryness. I just don't know. It's just been so rough. We can almost talk about our first week of vacation. And some of you know what we're talking about here. Write those numbers down. Remember them. 42 and 43. You need to read them. Psalm 42 and 43. I don't have enough time to read them to you today or I would. Uh, But when you're down, read those psalms. Write down in a notebook what God teaches you. And as a matter of fact, something I should have added at the beginning is you should keep a prayer journal. You really should keep a prayer journal. What does a prayer, pardon me, what does a prayer journal do? Well, it reminds us of what we've been doing and it charts us into what we are going to do and also it helps create the discipline of prayer. Now, discipline is not a bad word. Discipline is a good word because discipline is habit. I have the discipline of prayer. If I tell you that, then you know that I very, very frequently, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, every every morning at 5 a.m. I'm on my knees and uh, we're not going to go there because you already know I don't get on my knees anymore. But, and some of you don't either, so you're, we're in the same boat. But there's times of dryness. There's a, God, how, how could you allow this to happen to me? How, how could you allow this to happen to me? And that's, that's what, that's kind of stepping away from God. Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. And then there's Psalm 51. And that's the Psalm of Sin. It's believed that David wrote this particular Psalm as he was lamenting over his situation with Bathsheba. Because when think about the, that incident, his casual looking out when he really should have been leading his army to war, so he really shouldn't have been there to begin with, casually looking out and innocently looking down into the area, and he saw Bathsheba taking a bath, as Scripture says. And he's, wow, boy, is she good looking. Go get her. I mean, my paraphrase of the Scripture, but that's about what it is. And the next thing you know, she's pregnant. And the next thing you know, that he wants to cover it up. So he calls her husband in and suggests that her husband go home. And he hasn't been there for a while. And you know how that works. And But Uriah is such a righteous bum. He won't. He says, if my company, material, pardon me, military company, can't come home and be on leave like I am. I ain't going to go. <clears throat> and so then what does David do? He kills Uriah or has him killed. Let's see, murder, adult, uh, you name him, he did it. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. That is a verse that every single one of us can pray. Not necessarily every day, but there it is. Think about it. Think about it. Wash away all my iniquity. 
What do we do when we go to prayer and confess our sin? Help me get rid of this thing that's just plaguing me. It keeps me doing what I know I shouldn't be doing. Paul says it so very well in Romans. But the flesh, you know, I don't want to do it, but the flesh makes me do it. And, you know, and they made a comedy routine out of it. The devil made me, you know, and so on. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Psalm 51. Psalms in time of sin. What kind of prayers does God answer? An obedient heart, 1 John chapter 3. A forgiving heart, Mark chapter 11. A heart that does not doubt, James chapter 1. Jump on that one. A heart that does not doubt. Who are we talking doubting? We're talking about doubting God. A broken heart. A broken and contrite heart, God, you will not despise. An undivided heart. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. A prayerful heart. A heart that's taught by the Holy Spirit. Psalm in time of sin. Psalm in time of crisis. Psalm in time of joy. And I pray that there's a lot of that in your life. Psalm in time of sin. And I forgot the one I just finished. Uh, Psalm in time of dryness. And we know that there are those dry spells, don't we? We know that there are dry spells. Psalms. Why are we mentioning Psalms today? Because they were the, they were basically the prayer book of the Israelites. And when you look through, if you read all 150 of them, and you should, you're going to see all of those elements in those Psalms. I need to re, I need to regenerate my prayer life. How can I do that? Go to the Psalms. Next week I'm going to give you a whole list. Ooh, exciting, right? Uh, but there it is. So praying in the Psalms that leads you then to this. When you have a right heart with God, then when we start talking about these and we talk about the ones that are too personal that you wouldn't let me write on the bulletin, but that but you've shared with me, and I know about half of you. I have some personal prayers that I pray with for you, with you, not with you, but for you, that you've shared with me. That don't make it to the bulletin, and that's fine. It's not a problem. We've all got those. We've all got those. Next week, we're going to look at Jesus' prayer life. How about that? Jesus was a man. Jesus was here uh, as an example. But one of the purposes of his coming at all was that. His main purpose, of course, was Calvary. So we want to look at his prayer life. His prayer life can be an example to us. And I think I've got something very special for you in that next week. But I pray, my prayer for you today is that you spend a great deal of time in the Psalms for Joy. Starting with Psalm 100. Shout for the joy of the Lord all the earth. 
worship the God, your God, with gladness. Let's pray. Gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you this day. In spite of that which goes on around us, we know that you are there. We know that you are with us. You are the shepherd and I am the sheep. We know that. We all know that. And we now rest upon it. We grab it as a truth. We grab it as as a benefit of being with you. Guide and lead us now in your Holy Spirit. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. It keeps me singing.